The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. And evil may put up its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. Oh, come on and sing that with us. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The Savior has come with the morning light. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. All right, everybody, put your hands together. Let's lift him up in this place. Jesus, you are the only one that is worthy of our praise. We lift you high. All your love reaches to the skies. But there's no space between you and I. Wherever I go, I'm never alone. Every voice, I'm waking up. Come on. I come alive. Proclaim your freedom. My past is gone, future can wait. Oh, my soul, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. He is risen indeed. Come on. I breathe you in, shout out your praise Oh my soul, what a beautiful day Sing it out Who's ready to give Jesus all you got this morning? He's alive, so we're alive, come on Your face, brighter than the sun Your grace Rewrites every wrong Wherever I go Wherever I go Never alone We're waking up Come on We come alive Hear us in this place Our past is gone Future can wait Oh my soul What a beautiful day What a beautiful day Jesus 
Oh, Jesus. 
that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet who wore our sin and shame now robed in majesty the radiance of perfect love now shines for all to see we'll sing with us this morning your name is victory your name your name Christ our King, your name, your name is victory, all praise will rise to Christ our
tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our god has robbed the grave our god has robbed the Jesus, in this room right now, we just recognize you, the author, the finisher, the completion, God, so that we could be living life to the full. The tomb is empty, Lord, and so we can breathe and we can stand and we can praise because you've given us grace abounding. You pour your mercy out, your peace, your life, and more than anything, your love. So God, we just point to you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have a purpose to be standing in this room right now. And it's that you define us and you love us and you say who we are. And it's all within the bounds of who Jesus is and what he's done. 
So we put you first, Jesus. We got one more song for you, God. So hear your people in this room as we lift you higher than we've already lifted you this morning. Come on, let's sing.
celebrate the most significant event in the history of mankind today. Yeah. And growing up in a little more formalized uh, tradition, um, the priest would um, begin by saying, he is risen, and the response was, he is risen indeed. So, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and you can be seated. So glad that you are here this morning celebrating Easter with us. Uh, if you are um, a regular attender, we bless you, and um, we're so glad to see you again this weekend. If you are an honored visitor, and this is the fourth time we're trying to say it in this service, uh, we significantly plan um, what your experience could be like here, and I want to encourage you to take advantage of that when the service is over. In the foyer, there is a table set up just for visitors. We have a gift for you, and it is a nice gift. Please take an opportunity to go there. If you have any questions about the church, how things operate, where things are, um, anything like that, that is exactly why we have it uh, out there. And I just want to encourage you to take a few minutes and uh, take advantage of that. I think your experience, um, you'll find it to be really uh, pleasing. Um, here's... here's uh, Here's a little bit of a confession, and then it'll lead right into what the message is today. I don't know if there's a comparison with what you do uh, to try to give you a, a good idea of what Christmas and Easter are like when you're a pastor. So we do this 52 weekends a year, right? And put everything that we have into all of those. It's not that those are less significant, not by any means, but Easter and Christmas, they're the big days. And those are the days where you want everything to just have that much more meaning and you want it to be that much more um, just, just energy and uh, the work, everything you put into it, you want it to just be that much greater. Um, and then here's the problem with that. 
because you put pressure on that, it can make getting the message sort of just like, you know, oh, it, it just, it's not, it, it won't get here, I can't get it. So uh, for the last three weeks, I just struggled trying to get the message that I, you know, I'd write it and then crumple it up and throw it away and write it, crumple it up, throw it away. And so I, I, I got into this little mode uh, for the last week. Uh, all of my friends and people on our staff, everyone that, that I was seeing during the week and during the day, I would just say, hey, pray for me. I'm having trouble getting the message, and I really want it to be a significant message. And so they were all praying for me, just being really kind. Uh, it, it got so bad that on Monday of this week, uh, I told Chris, I'm going to let somebody else teach the message. <laughs> I, I'm going to just come to church, take the pressure off of me, and enjoy uh, Easter and not, not have this, this pressure. And so uh, my wife is smart enough to just go, mm-hmm, anybody else? You know, she, yeah. So... Um, so we, we just went through that, and uh, I, so I just want to give props real quick to a person on our team that really had a word from the Lord for me, Jeff Hilgers, who you don't get a chance to really see. He works, uh, that's our, our control center, is behind that wall, and so much of what goes on uh, inside of a service, it's not just a person, it's several people, but this is just props to Jeff. Um, when I saw Jeff, he had contacted me about something for the service asking me what, uh, what I wanted for a particular thing. And so I just I gave him the line, Hey, Jeff, if you think about me, would you pray for me? I'm really having trouble getting the message. And here, here maybe, maybe two or three hours goes by, and then I get this back from Jeff, and this was the thing that opened the door for me. Uh, he said, Pastor, I was praying about it, and this is what I think God wants you to know. Uh, you can't do anything uh, to make the most significant event in history better. <laughs> But it gets better. He said, so, why don't you just do something simple and get out of the way? <laughs> and that, like, just so freed me up to think that's exactly all we need to do is to point people to who and what Jesus is and let him do the rest of it from right there. So that's, that's the nature of the message. And uh, here's, here's how I put it together. Uh, if you understand uh, what Jesus was doing at this time and, and what was going on, uh, two things are brought together uh, in history. Jesus was Jewish and grew up uh, in Jewish tradition, fully keeping uh, all of the things that God had given to the Jewish nation. Jesus came and he kept those things, but he also brought the meaning of those things uh, to, to full bearing. So what we call communion, they would have called Passover. And Passover actually this year happens to line up very close to Easter, and that's very intentional. And so where we get uh, communion from, Jesus was actually having a dinner. We call it the Last Supper, a dinner with the disciples. Uh, it's a Seder dinner, and it's still kept today. Uh, if you are an observant Jew, you would keep the Seder meal, S-E-D-E-R. And during the meal, while Jesus is leading the meal, that's when he goes. Uh, there's four cups of wine that are shared during the meal. At the third cup, it's called the Cup of Redemption, Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, this is my blood, which is now given for you. It's a new covenant. And then when he passes around the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then reminds all believers, when you take this meal, remind yourselves of what I've done for you. So he's celebrating the Passover. We take from it communion. But somewhere in the last 2,000 years, we kind of take it uh, away from the full tradition of Passover. And so I want to try to connect real quickly um, this thought during the Passover meal, it's not just trying to uh, repeat tradition. It's actually trying to communicate to all ages the importance of what God did 
in setting free Israel from Egypt. It represents different things, and Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. So uh, it's not a segregated meal. Uh, it's not just adults and then send the children somewhere else. They, they bring the children in because they want to communicate to the next generation not just the tradition but the importance of why we do this. So a way that they draw the younger into the meal, they ask four questions, and it begins with this statement, what's different about this night than all other nights? And then they answer that through four questions, and they want the youngest to be able to answer that. So here's how I'll put the message together. What is different about this weekend than all other weekends? Now, these are things that we believe 365 days a year, 52 weekends a year. But this weekend is different because we pay attention specifically to the work of Jesus this weekend. We talk about the cross, and we talk about the resurrection, and we talk about the salvation and the way that God sees us and what he's done for us. So this weekend is different because we highlight the thing that we live out for the rest of the year. So I'll just give you real quickly these four things, and then I'll get out of the way and allow God to be glorified in our midst. Here's why this weekend is different. First, we realize our value to God this weekend more than at other times. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me share with you maybe the most famous scripture in our culture. Uh, at the end of a touchdown, you'll usually see some guy in the end zone holding up the John 3.16 sign. So even if you don't know what it is, you probably, you've seen the reference. Uh, here's, here's what it says. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? And then there's a second part to the verse that normally gets just cut off, but it's, it's no less significant. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through his work. So this weekend is different than all other weekends because we take the time to highlight how much God loves us. How about this? Let me give you an example, an illustration, an idea to kind of put this together. Uh, I've got a friend who is way into motorcycles. And the truest part of that is that I'm the one that infected him with that, with that thing. Here's the difference between the two of us, though. He has the money to do something about it. Okay? So if you happen to ride motorcycles and you buy an American bike, here, here's, they're, they're expensive in and of themselves, but this is where it really gets fun, to, to, to customize it and to make it. It's, it's unending what you can do to your motorcycle, and it's very expensive. If you buy a Harley, the HD stands for $100 because you'll spend it every time you walk into the store. It's just the way that it is. So we both bought bikes at a similar time. I bought mine, and I, I, I just sort of like, hey, it's going to have to be what it is. He bought his, and man, did he begin to, he did things to the engine, and he got a paint job, and he put on all this chrome. And, and here's the, he spent double on the customizing of what he spent on the bike. And then one day he went home, and his wife said, choose you this day. Who you will love. But as for me and your sons, uh, it's not going to be the motorcycle. So he, he uh, was given this idea that he needed to sell the bike. So he called me and he said, John, what do you think I can get out of the motorcycle? And he begins to list, here's what I paid for the bike, and then here's all that I did to it, and uh, tens of thousands of dollars, not thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, significant amount of money. And so he, he said, I think I'm going to list it for what I put into it. And I said, hey, I, you know, you're asking, and I just want to tell you the truth right now, save you time. If you really want to know what it's worth, it's worth what someone will pay for it. It's not, it's not what you think necessarily. But if you really want to know the value of it, it's what someone will 
pay for it. That's how we determine the value of something. It's not what a blue book says, and it's not what another person says, and it's not even, uh, even what, uh, uh, you know, what, what other ones are going for. It's what someone will pay for what you have. And if I take that thought and can connect it to you real quickly, if you want to know how valuable you are, then we simply need to decide what someone would pay for you. And according to that scripture, God loved you so much that he paid the ultimate price by sending his son to take your place when it came to sin and the issue of being judged for that sin. God loves you so much that the value to him for you is without an estimate. Truly, the word priceless can be applied to your life. Chris and I, in our mid-50s, um, we like to watch the antique road show. You, do you, you actually have to show your ID to be able to watch that show. Because like, if you're a millennial, you don't even know it exists. But like, if you're in your 40s, you probably have never even like, taken the... But when you're in your 50s, all of a sudden, you're interested in things like that. And here's the premise of this. So people have all of these treasures, they think. And then they bring it to an expert who appraises it. And it's always funny because someone will be like, my great-great-grandmother hid this from the Yankees <laughs> as they were raiding uh, our farm. And we smuggled this through the generations. And uh, it's, it's actually Native American. And we think it's worth several hundred thousand dollars. And the guy will look at it and he'll go, well, actually, uh, your grandmother bought this at Stucky's uh, in the 50s. <laughs> and so... <laughs> if you don't know what Stuckey's is, you, you missed Americana at its finest. You really did. And, and so they're so disappointed. But listen to this story. So we're watching it, uh, I don't know, uh, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. Uh, I'm going to say the name of the artist, Alexander Caldwell. Do you know that name by chance? A few people uh, recognized, uh, I'm sorry, Calder, Alexander Calder. Very famous American artist, uh, a sculptor. Uh, he's not alive anymore, but his work is, is very expensive. And so a lady comes on the show with a mobile. You know, like the one you made in school? Only this is a little different. Uh, I, if you look at it, to me it looked like coat hangers that were just kind of twisted together. But the lady had it hanging on her front porch. And when she would come in, she would hang her coat on the mobile on her front porch. So she brings the mobile because her mother had told her, she knew the artist, and her mother had told her, uh, someday this will be very valuable. But, but the daughter looked at it, and she's just like, I, I can't understand. But she brings it, and of course, all the appraisers, giddy is not the right word. And when it comes down to it, this is what they say. It's worth more than a million dollars. Could you imagine? And so they ask her, where do you keep it? The front porch. <laughs> What do you use it for? I hang a wet coat on it. And so, so now she's crying and she's shaking. And so they ask her, what are you going to do now? And she goes, I don't even know how I'm going to get it home. Are you going to put it back on the front porch? No, not at all. I'm going to put it in a safety deposit box and hide it. And here's just the thought. When you know the value of something, it changes the way you see it and use it. And here's how I can tell whether or not you get this message. Because you can misuse your life when you don't understand the value of it. You'll hang things on it and in it. Misappropriating why you're here. You, you will underestimate and abuse yourself because you don't realize how much you mean. 
And if you want to know the value of something, it's what someone will actually pay for it. And I can prove to you that the ultimate highest price was paid for you. And if you really get it, you won't go back and do what you did before. It changes everything if you understand who you are in Christ. It changes the way you see the future. And it changes the way you'll live today. And people will say with their minds, hey, yeah, I get it, yay, pastor. But the way I know you've got it from here to here is it changes the way you live. No longer. No longer are you common and ordinary. It raises the value of who you are, the dignity of what you bring to the table. How about this? It's not the, the artwork in and of itself that brings the value. It's the artist behind the artwork. Your life was shaped, planned, and brought into being because the greatest artist of all time knows what he's doing. And so many times we curse the artwork. Oh, what's wrong with this? And why am I like this? And why do I feel this way? And you miss the point that he's the one who's spoken to existence the entire universe, but the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. What a God. What a God. How you treat something of value says whether or not you understand the value. Here's the second one. Why is this weekend different than every other weekend? What makes it special? What do we do on this weekend that's different? Well, we highlight, we recognize God's purpose for us on this weekend like we don't at any other time. I love this scripture. Uh, it's from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And it gives us God's purpose, one of his purposes, but a main purpose for humanity. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some people understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, what's that word, to what? To perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. This weekend, we take the time to highlight the fact that God's purpose for your life is not destruction. God has a future and a hope for you. You have a great future in Christ Jesus. God has planned for you to not simply exist on this planet, passing through space and time. You're not here to live neatly until you die. You're here with a purpose and a plan. And God does not want destruction in your life. He brought you here to bless you. How about this right here? Uh, In the book of Romans, it says that when a person's mind is renewed, when we think God thoughts... That's the best way to say it. Then we can know God's will for our lives. And the Bible says this, that God's will for you is good, listen, pleasing, and perfect. And if you think anything else about how God feels about you, your mind needs to be renewed. Maybe the greatest thing that could happen for the church, not the world, the church this weekend, is that our thinking would be renewed to think the way that God thinks. To see it the way he sees it and to understand, would it change our prayers? And would it change how we treat each other? Would it change how we see the future? It would change everything if we understood God's purpose for us. Jesus, when he talked about the purposes, he brings it down to one sentence. John 10.10, Jesus says this, the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then in the same sentence, no period, a comma, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I came that you could have life and have it to the full. In other words, here's modern vernacular. Jesus came to undo what the enemy wants 
and he comes to bring you a life that's worth having. That's God's purpose for you. Here's a thought right here. Somewhere in church today, the word party has become something that people in the world do. We're the original party people. We are. So we grew up, maybe you grew up in a church that said, we don't act that way and we don't think that way. And that's what you did before you came to Christ. They stole from us the joy that's supposed to be in the fact that we know Christ, that we have a future. What, what if the heavy lifting is done? The hard work is out of the way. The only thing left is to celebrate. This weekend is different because we celebrate God's purpose for our life. It's a mistake to believe that God wants anything but good for you. Here's the third one. This weekend is different. Today is different. This is what we point out this weekend more than the other weekends. We remember the sacrifice of the cross this weekend. Make no mistake, it was brutal. Make no mistake, it was bloody. Make no mistake that when you read it today, it's sanitized after 2,000 years, but it was intentional as a warning to other people who saw it, don't do this thing. And what makes it really horrible is that it was done to an innocent man. But it represents, listen, this is hard, but this is true. All of us are sinners. All of us have gone our own way and done our own thing. All of us fall short of God's standard and his glory. I'm not saying you're a bad person, but how about this? You're not perfect. And how many times do you have to be wrong to not be perfect? How many of you have been wrong one time? So I know it's stretch, but I was late leaving my house this morning. Um, I think it was my wife's fault. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was driving um, like that to get here on time. So when I get behind two people who will not move and who will not allow me to move, right? And no big deal at another time, but when you're desperate. You know, you know how desperate that makes you feel, and I can feel it bubbling up inside of me, and in my car I'm like, come on, move! Get out of the way! I'm acting like a maniac on Easter morning. And I'm the pastor about to go, and so get this. They drove right into the church parking lot. <laughs> I just, I wanted to bless them and kill them at the same time. And the only reason I'm even, so we laugh and we joke about our stuff, but man, you know, if God is perfect and he is holy, then when it comes to the idea of sin, sin can't be winked at. It had to be dealt with. And ultimately, the way it was dealt with is that God looked at our condition and realized we couldn't help ourselves. Look at me real quick. You can't help yourselves. You cannot make salvation happen for you. So he took it upon himself, and he sent Jesus who took our place. So we got what Jesus deserved, and Jesus got what we deserved. And it's the greatest exchange in history, and maybe you think too good to be true, and that's what makes our gospel so powerful. It's not of us. It's nothing that we did. It's nothing that we could do. God did it. You have the chance to participate by saying yes to what he did. We remember the sacrifice of the cross this weekend. The book of Colossians chapter 2 is just a small uh, indication 
of what the cross, a slice, a, a, a single thing. There's so much that the cross accomplished. But look at, look at what Paul says here. When you were dead, not wounded, not half alive, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. It stood against us, has taken it away. Here's how he did it. Nailing it to the what? And having disarmed the powers and authorities, that means the enemy and those that run with the enemy, he made a public spectacle of the devil. He embarrassed the devil by triumphing over the devil with the cross. The cross for some people is an embarrassment. The cross for some people is some ancient idea. The cross for some is something that we shouldn't talk about anymore because it's so brutal. You want to know the truth about the cross? The cross is what makes you alive. It's what defeats the enemy in your life. It's what allows us to go out of this place today with a future and a hope. Growing up as a kid, I was a Catholic kid. And so the cross inside the church was always Jesus on the cross. You remember the one that I'm talking about? Nothing wrong. With knowing Jesus nailed to a cross. But this is the truth. Jesus is not the suffering servant. He is the King of kings. The Lord of lords. He is no longer on a cross. He is alive at the right hand of the Father today. Listen. So the Bible says, as he is in the world today, so are you. You are not the suffering servant. You are not nailed to a cross. You are not the one who is stuck with a past. Because of what God did and the way that he overcome, you're connected to what Jesus did. As he is in the world, so are you today. You're free. You're saved. You're righteous. It's done. Yeah. I, Jeff's right. How can you add to that? You know, the Bible is full of little pictures all the way through it trying to tell us uh, what God was going to do when he sent Jesus and why he was going to do it. So all through the Old Testament, there are little pictures, uh, little thoughts. And if you understand um, God's purpose and, and, and how he did things, you get a fuller picture of how Jesus fulfilled all of these stories from the Old Testament. So the patriarchs of our faith are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he had another son. The son was named Joseph. I don't have time to tell you Joseph's story, but he was, uh, he was his father's favorite. And because of that, his brothers did not like him. And then this made it worse. Uh, God's hand, his anointing was on Joseph, but Joseph, he flaunted it in front of his brothers and created more of a jealousy. And it got so bad, his brothers decided to get rid of him, to kill him. And, and uh, one of them, Reuben, uh, his older brother said, you know what, let's don't kill him, let's sell him. What a nice guy. Well, let's sell him. So they sold him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt, which 3,000 years ago, uh, it was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. But here's the point. No matter what happened to Joseph, God was with him. So when he was sold to the captain of Pharaoh's guard, he, he became the leader 
of Potiphar's house. And then he ended up in prison. But God was with him, so he ended up running the prison. And then uh, he has the ability to, to, to tell and to forecast dreams. He can interpret them. And Pharaoh has this terrible dream. And someone remembers that Joseph uh, in the prison can, can, uh, can, can tell Pharaoh what his dream meant. So they bring him out, and Joseph accurately tells Pharaoh what his dream meant. And because God's with him, Joseph becomes the prime minister in Egypt, and he's second only to the Pharaoh. And here's only my point is that no matter what happened, what was intended for evil, God can make good come out of it. And there's a little story here that represents uh, Jesus in this. And so Joseph, he's blessed and he gets married and he has two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, And in in that day and in that time, um, they would pass on the blessing from the patriarch to the oldest son. And, and it really didn't have anything to do with your character or your gifting. It just, uh, it was the order you were born in. That's, that's so unfair in ways. But I'm an oldest, so it's okay. Um, so uh, Joseph takes his two sons to his father, Jacob. And Jacob is passing away. He's on his deathbed. And he wants Jacob to bless his oldest son. They really believed that through the blessing was inheritance spiritually and physically. I don't have time to teach on the blessing, but it's powerful. So he puts Manasseh, the oldest, right next to Jacob's right hand. And then he puts Ephraim, the youngest, right next to his left hand so that all his father has to do is stretch his hands out and lay it on the boy's head. And Jacob does this incredible representation. It's a prophetic representation of us, Jesus, and the Father. When Jacob goes to bless the oldest and the youngest, he crosses his hands. And so he puts the second-born blessing on the oldest. And he puts the first-born blessing on the youngest. And then later in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that Jesus, one of his names, is that he's the firstborn of all mankind. And this is what that represented. The blessing that belonged to Jesus... God switched hands and put it on your life. And what we were going to get, Jesus took on a cross. And it represents all through Scripture how God works with his people. What should have happened, didn't happen. What could have happened, listen, didn't go that way. God has redone for you the most amazing things through the cross. I don't know if you, uh, maybe you know this. I, I I've, I've taught for over 30 years, and I, how many Easter messages, I mean, but I never saw this before. And maybe, maybe you'll go, duh, but for me, I had never seen it before. God creates Adam and puts him in a garden called Eden and then asks Adam, will you be obedient to me? But the very fact that he gave him a choice called free will means that it risks that he can go the opposite way that God wants. And Adam failed miserably by allowing the enemy to mislead him and deceive him, and it cost all of mankind. Listen to this. God sends Jesus and puts him in a garden called Gethsemane and asks him, will you be obedient to me? And it was so difficult that the son asked the father, if there's any way for you to take this away from me, Take it away. But this firstborn was obedient all the way through the cross. And the Bible says this. 
Through one man, sin entered the world. And through another man, Jesus, life for all. I never saw the analogy before. That he did the same thing and one failed miserably and Jesus did it perfectly. And because of Jesus, we live. Here's the last one. Why is this weekend different than all other weekends? Because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this weekend more than we do at other times. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. One of my favorite scriptures. Look at this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Boy, how simple is that? It's such a simple gospel. We make it so complicated. We put so many rules and we tell people you've got to do this and you've got to feel this way, act this way, sign on the dotted line, show up for all of these different things and God makes it so simple. If you'll just simply say with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Let me just throw this out to you. If you're close to Christ, if you're a Christ follower, that's not difficult for you. But maybe you're here today and you're very far from that. Maybe you don't get that. Maybe you don't understand that. Maybe you have trouble believing that all of this is even real. Okay? I'll I'll, I'll agree that that is... I've I've been there. So let me just throw this out to you. Jesus himself has an encounter with a man whose son is really being harassed by the devil. And so the man brings his son to Jesus and said, If you're willing, if you're willing, would you heal him? And Jesus almost incredulously ask if I'm willing of course I'm willing and he tells the man just believe and the man maybe the most honest admission maybe it represents humanity as a whole the man says to Jesus I believe but help my my unbelief is it possible to have belief and wrestle with doubt okay so look at me I'm not asking you, can you push all of your doubt out right now? I'm just asking you if you can believe. It may not answer every question today. It may not solve every problem. There may be things that through your life, you just simply may not get an answer on this earth. But can you do that very thing right there, that even if you wrestle with doubt and you have questions, can you believe that God loves you? And can you believe that he sent Jesus in order to make what was broken right between us and God? That's what I'm asking. That's the simplicity of our gospel. Because if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. Uh, Maybe this complicates it, but I wrote down my own faith statement. Um, Here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus is God that came in the flesh. That he lived on earth a sinless life. That he voluntarily laid down his life for us. That he was crucified, buried, and resurrected by the Father. That if you place your faith in Jesus and his work for you, you stand guiltless before the Father and you will inherit eternal life. That's my faith statement. Where are you at with that? Where are you at with that? If you're like, Pastor, uh, I didn't come to join a church and I don't need religion. Neither do I. Neither do I. I, I'm not trying to to gain anything right now. I'm not asking you to join church. Uh, Maybe it's only a one-time meeting today that our paths just cross today. And we may never see each other uh, again in this life. But here's here's the, the most important thing to remember and to grasp. That maybe our paths cross right now because God's asking you if you need his life. 
Do you need mercy? Do you need grace? Do you need life? Friend, we all get to make that decision. That's free will. He loves you. He's done everything that he can. And there's nothing else I can say. Where are you at with this Jesus? And where are you at with eternal life? Not church. Not organized religion. Not joining a club or signing on the dotted line. Where are you at with this Jesus? What do you say? If you need life, that's what today is about. You can have life. You can have mercy. And you can have God's grace. Jesus died for everyone's sin, the Bible tells us. But it's only applied as we say, I want that. Do you know why they call it Passover? Because 3,000 years ago, in Egypt, the Israelites were in bondage. They represent us. Pharaoh represents the enemy. And God is the one who sets us free. The angel of death was sent to soften the Pharaoh's heart. This is the way God dealt with the enemy. The death of the firstborn. Listen real quickly. The only way for the angel of death to pass over your house was to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of your house. And the angel of death would pass over. That's where the name comes from. It represents exactly where we live today. That sin is bondage. That the enemy without God owns you. And that God has made it possible for you to be set free. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. And even though he died for everyone's sin, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, it is only possible when you apply it to your life. Where are you at with that? Where are you at with that? Father, I thank you for the opportunity just to, to point to you today. And I pray, God, that everything that I did doesn't take away from the work that you've done. I pray that, uh, Lord, anything that would keep people from seeing you, please hide it behind Jesus right now. And let the only thing that's known and seen is just how awesome you are. Father, I lift you up above everything else. High and lifted up. Okay. If you're close to this message, if you're a Christ follower, then the crux of the message is today we celebrate the most significant event in the history of the world. Our God loves us, and it's not just words. He proved it. Today, may your faith be strengthened as never before. May you go out of here more energized, more alive, and more sure than ever of God's purpose for your life. May you see your value, and may you live different. If you're far from this message, and I think an honest admission is that there are many people here this weekend who might be very far from this message. Again, I want to remove the idea of religion, of reformation, of being good, uh, being a phony. All I'm asking you right now is do you need God's mercy? Do you need his life? Can you believe that Jesus came to this earth 
and took your place on a cross. Can you believe that God loves you? You can still have doubts, but can you believe that? And if you say, Pastor, that's me, and I need God's life, then while I pray for you, I want you with your mouth to say, God, that's what I want. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So while I pray, find your own words, but just tell God that's what I want. There's no wrong way for you to do this. So Father, for every man, woman, old, young, people that are struggling and people that are on top of the world, people that have a lot of doubts and people who are hearing something right now that's so easy to believe, wherever we find ourselves, there is one common denominator. We're all in a boat that needs a Savior. And you offer to us salvation. And so today, I thank you for what you've done. I reaffirm my need for you. And I just say yes to your work. If this is you, tell him yes right now. God, thank you for loving us and for caring for us and for making it possible. What's different about this day is that for many of us, we say yes. And for others, we reaffirm and commit. God, this day is special because of you. And I bless the work of your hands now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Happy Easter. Pastor Jake has one final instruction. Can we give it up for those that made a decision this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. Real quick, if you're here this morning and you made a decision to come back to the faith or maybe for the first time, we want to help you with those next steps. We have a team of individuals that are ready to help you. All you need to do is email us at newlife at jfc.org. That's newlife at jfc.org. We've also got people at all the exits holding Bibles with a card that has that email in it. So make sure just as you walk by, wave your hand, grab one. We want to get that to you as well. Uh, and once again, too, we do want to uh, remind those that are our first-time guests, make sure you stop at our first uh, our first-time guest table, grab your free uh, gift card. Uh, man, we're so glad that you guys came out. Hey, here's the deal. We got a service that's rolling in a couple minutes people are going to start rolling in here. So we love you, but I need you to go. (laughs) So happy Easter, and we'll see you guys next week.